We're here to do the best we can to help you or a loved one to know there is hope to end the nightmares of addiction, as well as local resources to help in your journey of recovery. Do not stop any medical therapies prescribed by your doctor or attempt anything we discuss without consulting a medical professional. Good evening. Welcome to Recovering Hope. My name is Mark Markley. A pleasure to be here with you again this evening. Somewhat of a dreary, rainy evening here in Wilmington, but a good evening nonetheless. We're here to, to do our best to share with you various resources and information that will help you realize that there is absolutely, without a doubt, hope for those who are trapped in the ravages of addiction, drug and or alcohol. And, and uh, from experiences, from people that we have had here in the program, um, my experience as the, the parent uh, of, of men who were in serious addiction and how it impacted my family, and we want to use that information to help share with you and, and once again to let you know that there's hope. There's, there's lots of resources here. Uh, Wilmington is very well known as a good recovery community. Uh, sadly, that goes hand in hand with the fact that it's a good place if you want to find some drugs. And that's partially because it's a port city. But again, um, there is a, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of resources out there, and I've got um, a lot of things here to share with you this evening. Uh, but I want to give you a little bit of a warning. Don't get too close to your radio because we are radioactive. <laughs> TK liked that one. I thought that was pretty good. Um, we're going to hear uh, a little bit later this evening a, um, an interview I did with, with Pastor Pat Hall. Um, really good guy, um, has been active in the recovery community for many years himself, and um, a great story of, of hope and redemption from Pastor Pat. And then um, later tonight, uh, we plan to hear from Billy McGowan about what is called the Reset Program here in Wilmington, which is a program that helps those who were incarcerated get and stay on a better path. Uh, I also hope that we'll have time to hear from uh, yeah, I already said that about Pastor Pat. Okay, see, I've got to read my notes before I start the, the, the go button here. But first, from last week, uh, last week we had uh, Wayne Ray of Launchpad here. And I'll tell you, I, you know, when I'm sitting here speaking with someone, you know, going back and forth, doing an interview, uh, I, I don't absorb the information quite the same as I do when I watch the show later, and then I, I've taken some notes here. So you might want to do the same thing, especially if you are in a situation where you or someone that you, you know um, is in need of, of recovery and some stories of hope, because Wayne has a really good one. And I, I wrote here, it might take an entire segment to review last week's show with Wayne Ray of Launchpad, but it will be well worth the time. As I mentioned during last week's program, uh, Wayne was very helpful in getting prodigal recovery started. He was the first recovery residence owner that my son and I talked to when we decided we were going to go forward with opening a recovery residence. Uh, Wayne has a lot of experience on both sides of recovery and offers a comprehensive recovery business that I highly recommend you consider before deciding about recovery for yourself or a loved one. Here are a few things that I learned last week that I would like to share. Among other credentials, Wayne got his master's in social work from UNCW. Based on his GPA, this should not have been able to happen. However, based on his tenacity and persistence to remain drug-free and pursue his passion, somehow it worked out. He did undergraduate work at a local prison as a counselor. He observed that when men were being released, many of them had no place to go. This is one factor that made him aware of the need for housing for men in recovery and or transition. When I asked how COVID impacted him, I got an interesting reply. We're going to learn to fly this plane while we're flying this plane. And I've repeated that a couple of times to people uh, during this week. 
it, it really is. That's what's happening. We're going to figure this out as we go along. Sadly, we don't have a choice, and I, I don't think we have it quite figured out yet. Um, I thought that was accurate as well as unfortunately true. COVID has made this drug pandemic much worse in many ways. The social aspect of recovery, which, among other things, is so important, and that has been minimized in the 12-step community and other things that we all need and miss. But the connection that is so important is lacking and needs to be restored all while we're in the air flying that plane. In February, Launchpad will celebrate 20 years of serving our community. I'm sure Wayne would have a reasonable estimate of how many people he and his staff have helped over the years, but I know it's in many thousands. According to Wayne, there are about 60 recovery residences in Wilmington. Now, these are my thoughts and estimates. This is not what Wayne said, but he did say that there's about 60 recovery residences. In trying to get an idea of the demand for these residences, I tried to find out how many people, percentage-wise, end up with an addiction to drugs and or alcohol. I don't know the accuracy of these numbers, but I read that approximately 6% of adults will end up with an alcohol use disorder. The population of New Hanover County is about 239,500 people. 6% of that is 14,370. With 60 recovery residences, if they all sought treatment, would put 240 people in every one of those 60 houses. Yeah, can't do that. The average recovery residence holds about eight people per house. Based on this statistic, with an average of eight people per house, we would need almost 1,800 recovery residences, not 60, to serve a small fraction of those who suffer from SUDs, substance use disorders. So that's just alcohol. That's not heroin. That's not uh, Xanax. That's not, uh, what's that other bad one? Um, yeah. Uh, it slipped my mind, but there's a lot of them. Okay, so that, that's not so-called drugs. That's, that's just alcohol, and alcohol is a drug. So with covered residences, not, not, yeah, okay, 1,800, not, not 60. With the current zoning restrictions, it makes things very difficult to properly serve our community. Not in my neighborhood, right? I can tell you, after running our recovery house for over three years, about three and a half years, a 12-bed home, we've not had one issue or complaint from any neighbors. We are off of Wrightsville Avenue, but it's a quiet little side street. Not one issue, not a complaint. However, I guarantee if I rented to men who were not in recovery, the cops would be called in regularly to keep the peace. I doubt we'll change the zoning regulations anytime soon, but our community needs more resources, not just homes, not just more homes to treat this pandemic. And again, a little aside here, the epidemic of COVID is, although it seems to be lasting forever, it's temporary. There are vaccines. We're hearing all about that every day, right? You can't stop hearing about it. The trillions upon trillions of dollars that are put into, into you know, giving people a hand up, right, a hand out, um, all kinds of uh, finances go into this. If a small fraction of that went into the drug and alcohol, alcohol pandemic, people would be doing much, much better. All right, continuing with Ray's recap here. Uh, we spoke a little bit about other places to stay, perhaps while waiting for a recovery residence to open up or until you can afford one. Uh, the Cape Fear Rec Rescue Mission was one place. Uh, Wayne's been on the board there for about 40 years. They have 16 beds. You can get three hots and a cot, as Wayne put it. You can also work at the thrift store or be employed elsewhere. I had... Um, used some of the men there that were you know, living there part-time. One guy turned out to be one of the best painters that I've ever used. Um, he did end up moving into our home and, um, and, and stayed there for quite a while, did well. Um, we also have the Salvation Army and the Good Shepherd House here in Wilmington. And most people know of these places, but again, I thought it was worth mentioning. <clears throat> An alumnus of Launchpad named Billy called, made a few good points, and one that stuck out was when he said, while living at Launchpad, it was great to wake up in a house with a bunch of other men 
that had all the same ambition to remain drug-free and all the benefits that go with that. A couple of frightening facts uh, that Wayne shared uh, were that most people know someone with an addiction or a close relative. That's not the frightening part. The frightening evolution of that statistic is that now most people know someone who has died from drug or alcohol abuse. This was another interesting tidbit. Um, Wayne did some research on 15 people who were addicted to opiates. I, I think he may have said these were the first 15 men that went through the doors of Launchpad, but regardless, all of them were given ADHD medication as a youngster, whether Ritalin or um, Adderall. And when I shared that with my wife, she reminded me that my son Chris was on one of those medications for a while himself and that the rest of that statistic turned out to be true. So you might want to be careful how you treat or more importantly diagnose your children's so-called learning disorder. It may not be a disorder at all. You know, we put 30 kids in a classroom, especially when they're young, and we expect them to just sit there, stare at the blackboard and say, yes, ma'am, no, man." You know, that's, that's the learning system. Uh, this fact led to what is commonly referred to as a dual diagnosis. A launch pad offers comprehensive counseling for those that need it. Some of this is offered by their clinical side of the business known as Launchpad Wellness. So again, putting that, whether it's you know, a learning disability, some other mental challenge, um, whether it's um, permanent, temporary, um, the result of some kind of trauma, but dual diagnoses are, are fairly common um, in, in people with addictions. And again, Launchpad has this, this wellness facility with psychiatrists, nurses, on staff, uh, so they're, like I said, they're a comprehensive um, recovery business. Lastly, SUD, substance abuse, substance use disorder, is one of, if not the last researched of diseases. This is exactly my point of comparing the COVID epidemic to the addiction pandemic. And Wayne, I don't know if you're out there listening, but look, I want to thank you very much for your time. And uh, we did learn a lot. Look forward to you coming back. You can reach uh, Launchpad. Their website is newlifelaunchpad.com, and their number is 632-2344. Something I I looked at this evening before coming down here, um, we had uh, this gentleman, his name is Herb Stefferson, uh, call in um, the second or third show a month and a half ago or whatever, um, he's the author of Junk Box Diaries and, and What a Life This Man Has Had. And, um, again, he was being prepared for his current position, which is helping other people in recovery. So this was on today's uh, Facebook page. Um, Six full days in the trenches, he says. Family education, unification, exposure. A team of seven came together in the late hours last week to confront lovingly and with compassion a young man from our region battling meth and heroin addiction. At first it was devastating as as we could not connect. The meth had him living in a reality that was not the same as ours, and we were left no choice but to enforce bottom lines and set our team up with new and healthier boundaries to protect ourselves from being negatively affected by by this young soul's addiction. For six grueling days, multiple times daily, our team got together and refreshed one another on the common goal. We had our, our lines, we had, and we maintained unity. This morning, a white flag was raised, and our young friend reached out and said, I'm ready, I want help. I'll never get used to the sound of a father crying. Today, we have success. Male in his 20s from our region, polysubstance abuse, just accepted the precious gift and took that courageous step towards a new life. Mother and father in their 50s will rest peacefully on Christmas knowing their son is finally safe and recovering. This was a difficult case. I love what I get to do today. Prayers for this family and their newfound journey. God is good. And, you know, that brings me to, you know, we are, of course, coming up on Christmas. And, you know, there's there's one young man. I, I, I mentioned him, I think, 
two weeks ago that he went home for Thanksgiving and had a two or three day pass and then said he was sick, had to go to the doctor. And this is when we had our doubts about things. But um, after three or four more days passed, I, I saw no note from a doctor and I told him, that's it. He can't come back. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I asked for that proof, couldn't get it. His mom pleaded with me to please, 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 please let him stay. So the softy that I am, I let him stay. Um, however, I said, he's got to stay out another week. If he comes back, comes back clean, then he can come back in. And that was last Friday. And I was at the house doing something. He came, and I thought he was coming to, to move back in. He came to get his belongings. He said, I'm leaving. So sadly, I was probably right. He would not have passed a drug test. But now this poor mom and or dad, I, I, I think that they're not together, but it doesn't make much of a difference, on Christmas are going to have a much more difficult Christmas than, than the parents of those that know their sons or daughters are safe in a good recovery residence and, and doing well. And, and this is just one of many. And, and, you know, the holidays do seem to make it much worse. And, and my God, that's nothing compared to those that have that empty chair at the table because their son or daughter is gone forever. So, folks, that's why we're here. You know, we want to bring stories of hope. I mean, Wayne, when he hitchhiked to Wilmington, I think it was 1986, if I'm not mistaken, he came with nothing. This guy now has a very large, comprehensive recovery business. So you can make lemonade out of those lemons you got to work. You got to go for it. We're going to hear a, a story of hope and redemption from our friend uh, Pastor Pat Hall. He's pastor of Cape Fear Free Will Baptist Church here in Wilmington, and uh, his own story compared, uh, in addition to the story of a few others. So, we're going to hear that when we come back. We'll be right there. We're going to um, tune in this interview with Pastor Pat Hall of Cape Fear Free Will Baptist Church. Hope I'm here with Pastor Patrick Hall of the Cape Fear Free Will Baptist Church. And Patrick is also the uh, chaplain at the New Hanover County Jail. And uh, we'd like to hear a little bit about his story, some of his recommendations and resources and stories of hope. Pat, thank you very much for your time. And I appreciate you um, being here and sharing some information. Hey, thank you, Mark. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, let's, um, if you could, just give us a little little background on, on where you've been and how you fit in this field of recovery, um, and uh, a little bit more about the resources and things in our community. I've, um, our church has had uh, programs reaching out to the community and those addicted for probably 17, 18 years, and a couple of my church members have said, why? Why couldn't I have loved rich people instead of those that are addicted? But the, the main reason is I was raised in the home of a uh, – my father was an alcoholic all my life. Um, we never went to church or anything like that. A little country preacher visited us a couple, three years in a row after my dad. Um, and when I was 15, my dad got saved. Um, I didn't know what that meant. Um, but when I came home, I realized there was a big change from the red-faced hatred of that old drunkard to the true love of a Christian. Mm -hmm. and, and, and God really delivered him from the power of alcohol. He, really changed him. Um, he never looked back. He um, uh, he never had DTs. Uh, I've seen some guys struggle, but for some reason, God really delivered my father from that. And of course, he then went after his boys, my brother and I, and um, um, he renewed our wedding vows with mom after 25 years of marriage and really a big change. But I got involved in drugs and alcohol at 15. That was the late 70s into the early 80s. And um, I was doing everything and we could get our hands on back then um, out in the country in South Carolina. And so um, for those three years, you know, I got, I got deeper and deeper in drugs and alcohol. My dad would tell me, listen, I know what you're searching for. Uh, those things will not satisfy you. Uh, Jesus is the answer. And, and then I was watching it in his life, which was the greatest sermon I ever heard. And when I was 18, I just got tired of running from God and uh, got under great conviction of the life I was living and really sick and tired of 
what it was doing to me, you know. And so um, I gave my life to Christ, got saved, and and uh, began to see that same change in my life. Ended up in the Navy, married my wife, um, four kids, five grandkids later, um, pastoring. Uh, God's brought me a long way. But that's why I love those that are struggling with alcohol, drugs, in the addictions of our day, because that was me um, way back then. So you were actually addicted. It wasn't just a couple of years of some light party, and you were into it pretty heavy. Yeah, I would I would say my junior senior year high school, um, you know, we were we were drinking beer every morning on the way to school, uh, you know, liquor, going to bed, you know, high and drunk every night, dealing drugs, mm-hmm. whatever we could get our hands on. We were very deep back then. It was you know pot and quaaludes and acid and uh, speed and those kind of things. When I got saved, I am thankful for this. When I got saved at eighteen, most of my friends then stepped into cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, cocaine was the rich kids' drugs. That's the kids on the other side of town did that yeah. it didn't matter uh, we were drinking moonshine and smoking pot and like i said popping quaaludes and acid and doing all we could get our hands on which was plenty yeah that sounds like that was about enough yeah well i'm very thankful for for your story of your dad's recovery and his salvation and and yours too and and now you know in addition to being a pastor at at k free will baptist church um your activity your experience um in the county jail as chaplain um, you know, when people get released, I know that there are some good programs up there. Um, I was familiar with Community One a few years ago. I think that just got started. And I think they do, in certain cases, are, uh, help people that are now coming out of jail. They've been incarcerated for a number of months or, or more. Their system is clean, to the best of our knowledge. And in some cases, they can offer them help. But in, in the other cases, probably the majority of cases, they walk out of there broken, nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the mindset of uh, incarceration is changing. It used to be, you know, you just lock them up, lock them down. When the sentence is over, um, release them. It's changing some now. While we've got them in there for a year or three years, uh, why don't we, you know, talk to them, try to teach them, try to indoctrinate them on, you know, some things that can help them. But Community One came along um, to try to link any inmate who's in there um, before they get out uh, into some kind of rehab or some kind of program or get them in a home. Uh, so when they walk out of jail, they can walk right into uh, some kind of program different from what they were living in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this earlier that, uh, you know, if you're a young lady who has um, who been involved in drugs and alcohol, her life's pretty much devastated. She's burned the bridges of family and friends around her. So she gets out of jail today. So where's she going? Um, the, the jail, uh, the New Hanover County Detention Center gives her a bus pass. So she's got a bus pass to downtown. That's all she's got. The clothes on her back. Half the time, we have to try to find them some clothes because they're, they, whatever they got arrested in is what's waiting on them. Wow. Um, so, you know, so there, that's, that's this young lady. So where's she going? Um, she can get in a halfway house, $135 a week. So, so she goes and gets her a job. Um, and she's making eight and a half dollars an hour. It's a part-time job. She's working 32 hours a week. She's bringing home $200 a week. 135 of that goes to where she's living. So mm. what about her shampoo and toothpaste and food and those kind of things? She's struggling. And then her old drug dealing boyfriend calls her up and says, why don't you move back in with me? Mm. You know, that's the choice that happens with these young ladies. Yeah. And that's the answer to the question. Why does it keep going that's one of the the reasons for that um do you know what the criteria is for community one to help someone that's been incarcerated and then released yeah the you know the biggest thing and you you know this in, in dealing with uh, this the addicted community is is this first of all you've got to want this you know um you can't make somebody do this what my goal would be one day is in our in our jails detention centers to offer someone a choice you know, because some people want to get out and go right back to that same house and keep doing drugs. You know, that's their that's what they want to do. That's what they think they want yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because yeah, because they don't know no better. We we could say what we want to, but that's just where they're at. But there's some people. Um, the criteria for getting community one is is uh, obviously you don't have a three million dollar bond over your head. You know, it's mm-hmm. that, you know you're in there for simple drug possession for something foolish and doing, um, and you can request to see them, and then they try to find a bed, try to find a home somewhere. A program for you to get him. They interview you and then call the place and work it out. Um, our church, a number of times we bought a bus ticket for someone because there's a program in Asheville and they, mm-hmm. they don't have a way to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and so we'll spend $65 on the bus ticket to help them get there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And I do want to, um, 
uh, speak with somebody that's you know directly involved in that program at the jail, and that's that's one of the many resources. Uh, something else that we spoke about earlier was, you know, I had a gentleman call me this morning. He spent his last dollar on the hotel last night, and he's got nowhere to go. He has a part-time job, and you know, where somebody like that, I, I know that Good Shepherd um, used to take people in. You got the Salvation Army, the Rescue Mission, uh, but uh, could you update us on on some of those? Yeah, it, it's um, the difficulty in town. Um, right now is um, if you're going to be homeless, you've got to be homeless during the work day. Most of our programs, you know, shut down at, at three o'clock, the latest at five o'clock, and you can't check in and you can't get in. Uh, Good Shepherd's a great place. Anybody can walk in, but you've got to get there and be interviewed. In, and uh, it's not just an open shelter uh, where anybody can walk in at any time. Um, and so you've got to get there, got to get interviewed, um, and then you've got to be back there at 5 when they opened up for the evening. But they do provide you with a meal. Next morning they give you a box lunch, um, and and they will help you. They give you 90 days free, I think, or um, and they will try to help you get a job, get a place to stay. Uh, and get. And the same thing with Salvation Army. There is a rescue mission in town, Cape Fear Rescue Mission, where a person can go and stay. And so uh, most people don't like that. They'd rather you know, us put them in a motel for a few weeks till they get on their feet. But, but that, that is the, uh, that is the, you know, the bottom line when you need a place to go, um, to get in one of these places and get, get on your feet. Yeah. It sounds like it makes sense. And I think it might be a little risky to make somebody too comfortable and, and de-incentivize them to, to go out there and, and, and get some work. And I mean, it's unfortunate. I've spoken to many men in the past years that we've been here at Prodigal Recovery that don't have the money they don't seem to be able to get the money but as another person in the business said they could find the money when they wanted to get high mm-hmm. now i realize we don't want people stealing and breaking into yeah. cars and yeah. houses to get money to live but they they really need the motivation um as my son chris would often say that uh you know in order to to make that decision to do the right thing that they have got to feel the pain and and that's an unfortunate thing, and that pain can go on for a very long time. And that's what we do try our best to minimize and 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 lessen those uh, circumstances where that pain takes place. Um, a story of hope for us, Pat. I um, in going through this, I've I've seen I've been doing this now, like I said, seventeen years in our town. And it's funny you said that. I just I just got a a, a friend request on Facebook this week of a couple. Um, that had come through our program uh, at our church. Um, it's been probably 10 or 12 years ago. And, and so many people, they come through, we help them, they get, they get things right with the Lord, they get up on their feet, they get a job, and then they move back home. And so they're from Boston, and they reached out to me, husband and wife, and, and said, hey, we've got jobs, we're functioning now, we're doing well, we're in church, and, and so you see some folks. But, I, you know, if, if I give a key um, for hope, you know, me being the pastor, me in my own life, what, what was the key? You know, surrendering my life to Christ, his authority over me, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I began to do that. And then we talked earlier about um, I began to feed my mind, you know, the good side, you know, Romans mm-hmm. 12.1, renewing of your mind. Um, 38 years down the road after giving my life to Christ, there are mornings I wake up and I go, where'd that thought come from? But I'm reminded that's not who I am. What I am is in my heart. Um, and that is Christ and, and, and a father and a husband, but my mind still goes back to those times. But when that, that comes up in my mind now, I have some tools, uh, to fight it with. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's getting in church every time the doors are open, feeding yourself the word of God daily, reading and praying and journaling, um, getting away from the bad, getting around the good and letting, you know, I, I say today, if the urge came on me today to drink or, you know, to get drunk or to, uh, to do the drugs today, I couldn't because there, there's nowhere around. You don't, you don't find that in church on Sunday morning. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get a hit of heroin from the pastor and my, and my, my, my youth workers and, and the Christians that are there because those urges will come. But, but the hope for me is I've gotten away from that. I've got some, um, some, some things, you know, in my heart, uh, that help me fight that away from. And I have seen a number of people 
uh, come to Christ, God changed their life. I've seen some struggle. Um, I've got fellows in my church that I would consider deacons, leaders, spiritual leaders, Sunday school teachers in the church um, that eight or ten years ago were dealing cocaine, doing cocaine, shooting up with heroin, and 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 now you 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 drive by the church and they're driving a nice car, they're living in a nice mm-hmm. home, they look like what we'd call normal families, and mm-hmm. and so God still does that today. Yeah, those are some definitely great stories of hope when you were talking about, you know, again, that scripture, Romans 12, 1, renewing your mind. I think that continues to say so that you will know the will of God, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm right. paraphrasing. Yep, yep. Uh, but I remember um, giving an analogy, uh, you know, renewing your mind, I think of cleansing the mind. And, and if you had a glass of water and there was a mud on the bottom of that glass, um, somebody doesn't have to turn their life upside down to to change just like you don't have to turn that glass of muddy water upside down to change if you continue to add clean water to that glass the dirt's going to come out through the top so continuing to add uh cleanliness yeah. the the word of god good association people places and things right um being with the right people and um you know, people would say, you know, if you're just constantly in the Word of God, say, well, you're um, you're being, um, what's the word? Uh, yeah, um, cleaning the mind. I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, being brainwashed. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Being brainwashed. And yeah. I would say, yes, that's right, that's because right. I had a dirty mind. Yeah. And it needs it needs yeah. to clean it. It yeah. needs it daily. Yeah. So, um, well, Pat, thank you very much. And, and you do host um, Re- um, Celebrate Recovery at your church. Yeah, um, uh, Jody, um, uh, Life Church in town, they don't have a facility to meet in, uh, so we give them our church on Monday nights. Uh, I think they eat dinner at 6, and the meeting is at 7 um, uh, every Monday. Give us the location, please. 5350 Holly Tree Road. I tell folks, go down College Road, take a left at the Krispy Kreme, and uh, one mile on the right, right at the corner. Everybody knows what Krispy Kreme is. Well, Pat, thank you very much for your time. Would you like to give out your phone number if people would like to uh, call you for any resources or information? I sure will. Uh, 910-264-3631. Be glad to help anyone any way we can. Give them some direction for a rehab or uh, where to start and um, certainly be be praying for them. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, Stay right there. We'll be right back. We are back here at Recovering Hope. I am still Mark Markley. Pleasure to be here with you this evening. Hope you're doing well and um, getting ready for the holiday season. And you know, some people get all some people get bent out of shape. They say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. <clears throat> Do people know what holiday is shortened for? It's called Holy Day. All right, so Happy. Holy days to you. And uh, right now we're going to uh, bring, oh, before I bring in my, my guest, Billy McGowan, um, I just want to say um, our friend uh, Wayne Ray uh, put a note we were talking about um, the rescue mission. You can stay there for 90 days. That's quite a bit of time to, to you know, get some things straight, get yourself some employment. And uh, Wayne, thanks for that comment. And now we can bring in Billy. Billy, are you there? I am. Hey, Mark. Hey, Billy. How you doing, man? Thanks for calling. I appreciate your taking some time here this evening. We're getting a, a little bit of a late start here, but that's okay. If you have a little more time, we can hold you over after the next break. Uh, but let's see what we can do yeah. here. Um, so give us a, a little bit of a background on yourself, if you will, Billy. Oh, myself? Sure. Um, so um, speaking for myself, you know, I'm uh, in recovery myself. Um, January 7th of 09 is my, uh, my recovery date. Um, so, uh, God willing, January 7th, I'll, this coming January 7th, I'll be celebrating 12 years of recovery. Along with um, my son's I've birthday. Re- <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? I said along with my son's birthday. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but that's that's great. No, 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 you're fine. That, that's um, coming up you know, on 11 years, man. North Carolina. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina, um, and in... In 2008, I had gotten myself into some uh, some legal trouble and was incarcerated, mm-hmm. um, and was approached by a uh, a group at the time. It was called Sentencing Services, and was offered a treatment option versus going to prison. 
Um, so, you know, I took that option, um, knowing little to nothing about recovery at the time and, uh, went to Asheville, um, completed a two year program there, mm-hmm. uh, stayed, a, stayed a little bit after, after completing the program, uh-huh. but, you know, knew I wanted to move back closer. Uh, I have two daughters in Fayetteville mm-hmm. and, um, I wanted to be back closer to them. So the beach seemed like a good option, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That brought me here in 2015. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, shortly after graduating the program, um, you know, previous to the program, I, I didn't have, I had misdemeanors on my criminal background. I never had a felony. Okay, um, that's good. After completing the program, the, the charges that led me to, um, to the program, um, you know, left me with a felony on my record. So I was kind of at a crossroads of what, what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some friends that had, uh, taken this course. It was, uh, called, uh, they got their certification as a peer support specialist. Okay. And it's, uh, basically you're an individual in recovery working, helping other in- individuals find their way in their path through recovery. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, started a, got a job, uh, in Asheville before moving here, working at a, a program, an agency called October road, worked for a 14 man program as a peer support. And, um, when I wanted to make the decision, you know, to, to move back closer to my daughters, um, I took the job here, uh, in Wilmington with an agency as a peer support specialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, and I came here in 2015. Well, Sounds like a, an interesting journey, and congratulations on um, on your recovery. And and uh, are your daughters here in Wilmington now? Or are they still in Fayetteville? No, they're they're in Fayetteville. Okay, fourteen and eighteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. not too far away. So, so, yeah, this is this is only an hour and twenty minutes, or an hour and a half away, versus you know four four and a half from Asheville. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, yeah. tell us a little bit about um, this reset program, Billy. I. I mentioned that briefly at the opening of the show that um, this is something that you're, you're involved in and that's, that's through coastal horizons. Is it? It, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the reset program in the meaning of reset is a uh, reentry systems of effective treatment. Oh, um, okay. It's a, uh, a reentry program. Mm-hmm. We are, um, we're partnered with New Hanover County jail. Um, we, we receive referrals. Um, I want to say, and I heard you mention on your show earlier while, while talking with the pastor, um, mm-hmm. community one, right. Um, they're, they're a very key liaison inside of a uh, New Hanover County jail for us. They probably send us 80 to 85% of our referrals, both wow. men and women. Do you know, Pastor Pat, program. have you guys crossed paths at the jail? We have. Okay, yes, good. I've, I've uh, seen him quite a few times at the jail mm-hmm. as well as here in the community also. Yeah, yeah, good guy. Okay. Yes, he not only walks the walk, he talks, you know, he, he everything he says, he, he does. Yes, yes, sir. I appreciate everything he does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so go so, ahead um, Go ahead with, you know, how people would um, find out about this program if they are currently incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um through Community One, um, in, inside individuals' um, housing units, um, or people would refer to inside their housing blocks or housing units, mm-hmm. they have a kiosk inside uh, New Hanover County Jail, okay. and they can put a referral in that they're looking for or uh, request uh, assistance with substance abuse. Um, the Community One ladies filter those out, you know, um, and it's not only not only us they send referrals to, they also send referrals, you know, drug court or uh-huh. longer term programs such as recovery ventures or trosa how would how would they um, know but referral, yeah i mean how would they sorry to interrupt but how, how would they even know to to put that note in that kiosk i mean are they made aware of these things somehow do people come in and talk to the men how do they become aware of that stuff right uh, billy as far as right now here lately we've been passing we've been passing out flyers okay in good. the housing unit uh-huh um uh Seeing us in the jail, the word of mouth from from the individuals incarcerated, yeah. um, and as well as public, their public defenders are aware of us. We okay, work hand good. in hand with you know the public defender's office, the DA's office, and mm-hmm. probation here mm-hmm. in Hanover County. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and referrals can also come from family members that aren't 
you know, if, uh, say, if uh, Johnny's incarcerated and, mm-hmm. he's, you know, expressing to mom that he would like treatment, they can call us directly. Oh, good. And um, ask us if we go go screen them inside the jail. Okay. But, yeah. And, and for those that might not be able to stay for this whole interview, um, what number would you mm-hmm. like to give out if people would like to get more information or, or you know, start making something like this happen? Sure. Um, it would be for, for males. Um, they can contact me directly on my, my work cell phone, and mm-hmm. that uh, phone number would be area code 910 444 Okay. And for females, my coworker, her name is Anna Foy, F-O-Y. And phone number, area code 910-899-8593. And, um, you know, they can call uh, if we don't answer. You know, sometimes we don't we don't keep our work phones on after hours all the time. Okay. But uh, leave well, us a message or send us a text. All right, good. So that answers the question. This is both for males and females, so that's good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. And how long of a yep. program is it, uh, Billy? Depending on the individual and their progress, um, we say we, we give them a general, you know, nine to 12 months. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've had, uh, since we've been, we've had males on and since 2018, we've had three, I believe, finish, you know, right, right, right at 10 months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on their pro- their prog- progress with, uh, completing their SIIOP, MRT groups. Right. And, um, you know. Yeah, it's funny that you say nine to twelve months. Last week, part of what Wayne was saying, he has noticed that um, people who stay a year um, in a recovery residence um, do much better than those who stay less than a year. I, I think he said for the next at least three years, they're still doing very well. And I think I've observed that too. The short time that we've been in the business, um, so yeah, nine to twelve right. months, and and this is the program. Once, of course, once they're out of jail. And, and um, mm-hmm. where do they normally go, Billy? Um, I know that you do refer some recovery residences, but is that the only option? Do they have to go into a structured living environment like that? They do not have to. Um, we we strongly encourage it. Right. Um, you know, um, and, and what we do for that, you know, for their first three months um, coming out, being released to us, we'll pay. We pay their rent at one of these recovery residents, mm-hmm. so they don't have to worry about paying rent for three months. Nice upon their release. Um, it's 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 strongly encouraged, but if they do have a stable, you know, residence mm-hmm. and probation agrees mm-hmm. to to them going to live back at home, mm-hmm. um, we we've allowed that in the past. Yeah, and I'm sure they're they're screened. Are they are they Drug screened by by this organization as well, or is that through the recovery residents? They are. Um, the recovery residents do their screens, and we also do ours. They, um, upon their release, they would come into the office. We actually come up to the jail, um, sign them out, and they they ride back with us back at the Coastal Horizon, and um, they're assigned. We give them a phone number. They have to call every morning for the entirety for the entire time they're in the program. Mm-hmm. And um, they call it every morning before 8 a.m. And they're also assigned a color. And so if their color is called that morning, they know they have to come in to our office and uh, administer a drug screen. I see. And, and is we that, do that. They're, they're screened between one and three times a week. And is that still in effect with COVID over our heads? For for a brief bit, it was not. Uh-huh. Um, from, <laughs> from about March, uh from the end of March until I want to say June when we were on in the hard quarantine, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as with everything, COVID threw a, threw a damper yeah. in, into everything. Yes, it did. Um, still is. But, uh, <laughs> since June we have. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that yeah. sounds good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when did this program start, uh, Billy? I'm sorry if you already said that. I'm, um, just trying no, to, all right. yeah. Um, I came to work. I came over to Coastal Horizons in 2018, and mm-hmm. that's when they had been um, awarded the grant, the SAMHSA grant, to be able to bring on um, males into the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as with males, it's been since uh, 2018. I want to say with the females, they had a previous grant, and it was 2013 or 14. Okay. Um, 
that the program began. And did you say before how many men have gone through this program now? Um, I've had, I want to say we've had since 18, I want to say 14 or 15 successfully complete the program. Okay. And have you done Um, any follow-up? Has it been enough time that has lapsed to, to see how they're doing today? If they are now not being monitored, they might be living independently, you know, the aftercare, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. Um, are you, do you have the, we we do, uh, yeah, we do, um, do follow-up and I stay in contact with quite a few of the, um, the males that have completed successfully Mm -hmm. and some that haven't completed successfully. Mm -hmm. Um, we haven't had, uh, it's still a little early, I guess, for them to formulate the, uh, the data for us to be be able to fall back on Mm -hmm. for the males. Mm -hmm. But, um, I've been in contact, you know, I had actually been messaging a couple of the ones that have, uh, done extremely well, um, letting them know about this interview so they could listen or whatnot. Good, good. good. Hey, you know what? I just looked at the clock. Uh, we got to take a short break. You got about five more minutes. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right, Billy, hang on there. And folks, we're going to be back uh, with Billy McGowan. We're talking about the reset program, um, via coastal horizons, working with people who are, um, or who were incarcerated. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovering Hope. My name is Mark Markley. I'm on the phone with uh, Billy McGowan. Uh, Billy uh, is employed by Coastal Horizons, and he's he heads up their reset program, uh, which offers hope and and plus a lot uh, for men and women that are released from jail uh, to help them get situated, and and they they pay for their rent for the first three months. And I see here that you provide transportation. I think you said, Billy. Um, to and from groups? Yes. Um, And the bullets, again, were pre-COVID. Okay. We, yeah. um, So our our IOP groups, um, since, you know, COVID took over the world, have uh, pretty much been virtual. Right. Um, Our MRT groups have been still twice a week in person. Okay. but our transportation has been limited and the yeah, amount of people yeah. we can have on our van has okay. been limited. Yeah. This was, this was no sort of a cheat sheet that Billy gave me, <laughs> but um, yeah. the other thing, I mean, if you, if you, when, when these things get back to, if you want to call it normal, um, would you also mm-hmm. provide transportation to and from work um, once they find employment? Our transportation coordinator, uh, Charles Pickford, is mm. excellent. Um, he uh, he bends over backwards for for our individuals as far as getting them to and from job interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know if he's able to to help them out, get them to and from work during work during our you know work hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we do well, all we can with transportation. Yeah, well, that's good. I will tell you, it's so nice to hear that that something's being done instead of men just being you know put back out on the streets and, and nowhere to go. I mean, we have you know one man in particular that's staying in our home now that um, he's got monitors not only for location, but also for drug or alcohol consumption. And this is costing him over $300 a month to have the bracelet on. Right. I mean, he, he, he works and it's like what Pastor Pat was talking about. You know, you get somebody to come out, they have a minimum wage job and they've got to eat and pay rent and, you know, support this ankle bracelet. So, uh, you know, he's having a very hard time making ends meet. Um, but you brought up, you know, because of COVID, we, in our brief discussion the other day, you spoke about pros and cons of virtual meetings. I'd like you to touch on that if you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I don't like, uh, I've had, I, speaking for, for the gentlemen, some of the guys in our, in our program that have, uh, they have benefited from, um, the virtual meetings and virtual more so from the virtual IOP group. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where a lot of the feedback I get is. Mm-hmm. Um, because a, a lot of our individuals um, do experience and um, suffer from social anxiety. Um, right. Right. So we're, we're, we're getting someone out of jail um, 
who's been in, been in active addiction mm-hmm. and doesn't their brain really doesn't know how to function yet without mm-hmm. those substances and be and interact socially. Right. Right. Um, so I've had really good feedback from some of our our males that mm-hmm. they do enjoy the virtual platform mm-hmm. because they feel a lot more comfortable not yeah. being in a room with forty other people. Right. Right. Yeah, that's so. a good point. And and then and maybe this is a good way to break them into. You know, then when they walk into, uh, you know, a, a live meeting, you know, um, with people, mm-hmm. then that might make that uh, um, that ice an icebreaker, you know, a little easier. You know, they're not just walking in cold. Absolutely. They, yeah, and I would imagine it's it's yeah. it's it could it's very um, beneficial when you're hearing other people that are in that in that same boat, that same car, or whatever they were in. Um, you know, and, and that they're seeking the same thing. It's like I said, you know, one of the guys that was an alumni from uh, from Launchpad called in last week, and he said, you know, it felt really good to wake up in the morning in a house full of guys that when they wake up, they have the same goals and aspirations. Now, of course, some of them, you know, are missing some of that old life. That's natural, especially in the beginning. But um, just that, that, that common goal and drive. Um, and, and, Billy, we're, we're coming up on the end of the show here. But, look, I want to thank you very much for your time. I want to repeat the numbers um, if you'd like to call Billy, uh, his his work cell is 444-8152. That's for men or incarcerated, whether you're a parent, spouse of someone who's who's locked up or um, somehow to get in touch with them, make sure they know about this program. It's called the um, uh, Reset Program. And for the women's uh, department, uh, you could call Anna Foy at 899-8592. Billy, I want to thank you again nice for your time and, um, you know, look forward to following up and, and, you know, anytime, you know, more information, you know, about the program now, um, we do take live calls from time to time. So, um, feel free to, to participate and look forward to hearing back from you. Sure. Thank you so much, Mark. All right. Thank you, Billy. Take care now. And that's going to about do it for, for this week. And, and folks, again, please remember there is hope. Um, our website is, uh, recoveryhope.org. There's a list of resources there. I gave you Launchpad's website, um, newlifelaunchpad.com. Let me make sure I got that right. Uh, they have a lot of very good resources there. Yes, newlifelaunchpad.com. Um, take that step. Don't be afraid to make that call. You'll be so glad you did. And I truly hope that this has been uh, inspirational to some, give you some real hope because hope is real. Thank you, and God bless.